Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. I, I am super blessed to have grown up in a house where Jesus was center, and um, so I'm super thankful for that. I, I always tell my dad, and I was kind of communicating, I think it was to Caesar, um, I've never had a problem with understanding God as a good father, because I have such an amazing father, and um, I know it's hard for some people that have had rough upbringings to kind of, it's hard to understand God is a good father, um, but I, that's one revelation of the Lord that I've never had a problem with understanding, and even this week, um, I, I call it the Abba revelation. Um, I actually, uh, I was telling Caesar, I had a, a, coming home from work, you guys know me, I'm, at any point I could just lose it and start crying, but I'm coming home from work, thankfully I was already in the driveway, <laughs> pulling into the spot. And uh, I just had the, I was worshiping in the car, and I just had this uh, vision of the Lord picking me up as a kid and putting me on his shoulders. And he was holding me with one hand, and the other hand, he was just pointing around. And uh, I couldn't hear anything, but what I perceived it to be was him showing me all that was his, and that it, because it was his, it was mine, because I'm his son. And um, so when we get a revelation of, Sonship. when we get a revelation of being God's child, we understand that we're heirs to his throne, and we read in Ephesians that we're actually seated with him in heavenly places, and um, he, he picks us up and puts us on his lap on that throne as his child, and just amazing. Um, really awesome, just want to tell you a few testimonies of what the Lord's been doing. Um, probably going to brag on my sisters a little bit real quick. Um, my sister Lizzie received, uh, I think it was a message on Facebook from a, a girl that went to high school with her, and this young girl was about to take her life, and uh, she said, right when I was about to take my life, I had an encounter with God, and he spoke to me and said, you could have the joy that Lizzie has, all you have to do is give me your life. This girl had never been to church ever in her life, and the Lord spoke to her. The girl gives her life to Jesus. And gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Never, never been to church before. Incredible. God is in a wild pursuit of us. When we think we're going after him, it is nothing compared to how he's coming after us. And so that's, that would just blew my mind. So Lizzie keeps shining. My sister Rachel, she's in the bank the other day. She's cashing in her coins. And, uh, you know, you got you to gotta save the coins. I do the same thing, you know. I got to get that receipt. So she's online with her receipt, and the Lord's like, I want you to give that money to some other people that were going to the, to the coin machine. And just like, my, they're way beyond me when I was their age, uh, hearing the voice of the Lord and being used by the Lord. It's incredible. Miles, this kid just got saved. When did you get saved? Over the summer? Oct oh, October. So really not that long ago at all. This dude has insight on the Lord that, I wish I had. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. We've, we've put this, like, thing on people that you've got to be God's, I don't know, just revelation of being saved and knowing him for an extended period of time before you could be used by the Lord. And that's a lie. From the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus, the moment you become aware of him, 
you can raise the dead. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you at the moment you say yes to Jesus. And so, just amazing. I'm blessed to have incredible people in my family. I want to just share a few things for you guys specifically. The Lord's been doing this recently. Just when I ask him, when I'm getting ready to share, he just gives me a few things for you guys. And I I like to share it. So, um, one, really practical. Um, He just said, worship team, start writing your own songs. If you haven't already, um, get on that. Um, what the, the next thing that he wants to do is going to be facilitated through the authentic expression that comes through you guys. And so I encourage you guys to just write your own songs because um, I've found even, you know, I lead worship, um, that the times where it seems like he comes in the strongest is when it's a song that comes from my heart. Because we could, I mean, all these songs are amazing, and, but these are other people's songs, you know, and, um, and they can become your songs. Like, your heart can identify with these songs, and they could, you could sing them out um, just like they were yours. But there's something about singing from your testimony, singing from what the Lord's done in your life, that really facilitates the move of God, and I, I felt that for you guys. So just um, that um, prayer meetings, beholding nights, keep on going. Uh, just Keep on that. I was so happy to see that you guys are continuing prayer through February. Um, we have lost the, uh, the art of prayer in the American church. We almost see it as a waste of time because we're a microwave society. We put things in, we press the button, and it comes out in a couple minutes. Um, Jesus lived in a time where fire was how you cooked food. It was something that had to be tended. It was something that had to be worked, and sometimes it takes a little time. Um, so prayer, keep it going. It's, gonna, it's just staple to, to you guys as a people, as a church. Um, next thing was don't feel the, the anxiousness or the pressure to um, get busy through the ministry. Everything, like constantly throughout the American church, we feel like we have to do so many things. We have to do so many programs and all these things. And there's a lot of really great things, but we could miss the Lord in the pursuit of all these things. Right? So just keep, use, use the axe model. That's what I heard from the Lord. Use the, use the axe model. The, they gathered together in one heart. They sought the Lord. They shared fellowship. You guys are already doing that. I was just here to tell you, don't feel the pressure to go to something crazy. And build big people. Don't worry about building big ministry. Big, big people. Uh, build big people. Um, and when I was... Uh, just waiting on the Lord, I heard the word uh, Shema, which uh, in Hebrew, um, Jehovah Shema means the Lord is there. And um, it was in Ezekiel 48, um, that's the term used to describe a city uh, that Ezekiel is describing the, the lengths and the dividing of the tribes into the land. And the city was called Jehovah Shema because the Lord is there. And that's what he that's how he's defining you guys, and that's how you'll be known as where the Lord dwells. We talked about that a little bit last time. but um, For me, corporately, the church seems to be in a time of preparation. I know that for me personally, over these last three years, I went to Bible school, and um, I was really disappointed when I wasn't put into full-time ministry right out of the gate. And, um, but now looking back, I'm so happy that I didn't. I'm so happy that I was not ready to go into 
full-time ministry um, right out of the gate. But these last three years of preparation have been incredible. I wouldn't trade them for anything. I've had my own personal relationship with the Lord just explode. There were so many things that had to be worked out in me. I know I talked about last time that 2018 for me was a season of liberation and um, preparing and different things. And when the new year came and, and turned around, it was just kept increasing. I thought it ended in 2019, uh, 2018, 2019, full force preparation mode still. Um, but I feel that corporately, the Lord is preparing us because I feel and, and anyone that spends any time with the Lord can tell you that there's like a rumbling in the spirit. We're on the edge of something. We're on the edge of something big, and the Lord has to prepare us um, because what gets poured out um, could very well, very much offend our minds. And if we're not careful, we'll deem what he's doing as a work of the enemy. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to, to, to fall into. Um, the Lord, in the Gospels, he talks about... Um, or there's a situation where he's casting out a demon, and one of the Pharisees is like, he does, he casts out demons by the power of demons. And he says, you could speak against the, the Son, and it'll be forgiven you, but if you speak against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven you. And so many, we've seen this already in the church, little outpourings of the Spirit. People are so against it. People, you know, you, you can't understand why someone would fall on the ground Michael Koulianos describes it perfectly. Sometimes God and a person collides, and God wins. <laughs> That's why you fall on the floor. Um, so, but there's so many things. Sometimes God offends your mind to expose your heart. And um, sometimes you're overwhelmed with joy, and you start laughing. Some of us need to laugh. Some of us are so calloused and so walk around, mm, you know, stuck in our, I don't know, we just misrepresent Jesus when we're not joyful. That's what it comes down to. It says in Hebrews that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. Jesus was a happy dude. He wasn't walking around like, you know, just doing his teaching. He was super happy. He was probably happier than any of us. Um, so I don't even know where I was going with that. But, um, oh, just the preparation. We're in a season of preparation. I would... In, invite you, um, it's actually what the, I'm talking about today, the invitation, but invite you into a place of complete surrender and just saying, Lord, whatever it looks like, whatever, however you want to come, Lord, I'm so open to it because I don't want to miss what you're doing. The, the, the Pharisees missed, they spent their entire life looking for the Messiah and when the Messiah came, they missed him. They literally devoted their entire lives to studying the scriptures. They had an idea of what the Messiah would look like. And when he was right in front of them, he, they couldn't see him. And I don't want that to be said of me. So I, 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 I want to be ready. So 2019, the start is, the only way I could describe it, the preparation intensified. And the only way I could describe it is the Lord is just undoing me. And... It's very intense at times. I was sitting at dinner the other night. I, I was trying so hard not to start crying. The, I just felt this, I felt the spirit just welling up inside me to a point where it was like shaking me. And I couldn't control it. And 
and I, I made the decision to, to whatever, Lord, whatever you want to do to me, just do it to me. If I feel like I'm going to die, whatever, I know you, you raised me from the dead, but... Um, <laughs> But it's a season that he's just undoing me. He's undoing still the mindsets of religion and things that I was so under the impression of in a former season. He's liberating me from those things even still to a, to a deeper level. We find ourselves at a, a very, I'm going to call it a crossroads um, in our nation. You guys are all aware of the things that have been going on. I am here to encourage you that no matter what side of politics you fall on, the answer for America will never come from a politician. Never. It will come from the church or it won't come at all. So we need to put down our... Republican thing, we got to put down our Democrat thing and pick up our Jesus thing. Um, I, I'm on the, the edge of hating Facebook. I hate going on Facebook. Um, there's a few people, where's Josephine? There she is. Her stuff is amazing on Facebook all the time. She, I, always, I, always see, uh, I always see her stuff and it's always so amazing, right? She just posts like the most amazing things. She's one of my only hopes on Facebook. Um, um, but like, it's so crazy how the church continues to attack each other on Facebook constantly, constantly, constantly. We are doing a terrible job of representing the Lord. And um, I would encourage you that if you don't have anything nice to say, come on, mom, finish it. Don't say it at all. <laughs> For real, um, if you don't like the way someone does ministry, their ministry, don't receive from their ministry. But you don't have to take a stance, they're a false prophet, they're a false teacher. That is not what we need to be doing. Um, a long time ago, because I used to be one of those people, just constantly, I was like a demon hunter. Like, you are not, I would go, I went to school, I'd never seen anyone fall out in the spirit before. I was like, you just want attention, you just want all these things, and uh, the Lord was like, bro, like, at what point did I allow you to judge someone's worship? What, 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 at what point did you think that you can tell my people how they're supposed to, like, act when I come on them? Like, what is that? What is, what is that? Um, so the Lord gracefully rebuked me and said, if you declare war on my anointed, you declare war on me. And you do not want to declare war on God. Um, so just be very careful with what you say about other people, other ministers, different things. You might not agree totally with what they do and what they say, how they operate, but it's not your job to judge. And if, you don't have to receive from them. But I just, that's just a word of caution that I felt from the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus. Does anybody else love Jesus? I always feel so at peace here. Just from the moment that I come in, we do prayer and I'm sitting around, just like, it's amazing. He just, he comes in and where he is, there's freedom. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the invitation. My beautiful wife made that 
picture. Um, the invitation. I feel the Lord inviting us into a deeper relationship with him. How many of you know there's always more? There's always more. No matter how far you've gone before, there's always more. Um, so I want to turn your attention to John chapter 7 and verse 37. I believe that when we get this revelation, we will take our proper place in the world as God's children and what we've been called to do. In verse 37, it says, Now on the last day, the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continual rivers of living water. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him as Savior were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. How many know Jesus has been glorified and the Spirit's been poured out? Um, what we need to realize is that we have 24-7, 365 access to the Most High God. And when we, when we can really walk in that revelation, at any moment, we can turn and we can drink from the fountain that never runs dry. So there's just really three things that I, I want to talk to you about. The first one is waiting. The second one is drinking. And the third one is overflowing. The only prerequisite to tapping into this river is believing that Jesus is who he said he is. It's the only thing. Once you believe, this river is awakened in you. You receive the Holy Spirit and he comes to make his home in you. Um, when I was younger, I was made to believe that to be baptized in the Holy Spirit was like a second act of something coming down from the outside. But if I believe that at salvation, the Holy Spirit lives in me, the fullness of the Godhead is in me, at the baptism, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave me and then come back. It's actually a river that comes out from the inside. It's out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Um, and the baptism looks like what's in you getting on you. Because it's in you to the degree that it becomes on you. And so for me, over these last three years, and I'm so thankful that I wasn't in ministry because I wouldn't have had these. I mean, I probably could have tried to have these times, but because I'm doing other work, I've been able to drink of the Lord in a way that I don't know if I was going to be able to drink of him if I was full-time in ministry right out of the gate. And so in the car, drive to work, you know, Drinking of the Lord and don't drink too much <laughs> um, when you're driving because <laughs> then you just have to pull over, call an Uber or something. Um, at home, there's just, it's accessible. I'm walking down the aisle at the grocery store. You could feel his calling and you could just stop for a second. 
That's how accessible it is. It's that accessible. 24-7 access to the river, which is drinking of God himself. May I propose to you today that everything that you could ever want from God is already in you because he lives in you as a believer. Everything in the kingdom has been preached over the years that it is something to be acquired from the outside. But Jesus didn't teach that. He taught that the kingdom of heaven is within you. He taught you that the fullness of the Godhead dwells inside of you. So everything you could ever want from God is already in you. And you're saying, well, how do I get to it? Spending time with the Lord is like receiving keys to unlock doors and passageways into what has seemingly been locked up. And the key is the transformation of your mind. It's not that you need to acquire anything from the outside. It's that you're unlocking something on the inside and becoming aware of it, and then it comes out of you. So healing These hands are potential healers from the moment I believe. They're potential dead raisers from the moment I believe. I just have to be made aware of that revelation that's already in me. I don't need anything else. I already have everything I could ever want. I just need it to be accessed by getting this thing out of the way. Um, A lot of the times you could find that The way we could reason as human beings, we could literally reason ourselves right out of what God wants us to do. Well, that just doesn't seem right. You know, that just doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to go talk to that person that I'd never met in the grocery store and they are walking with crutches because that's an inconvenience to me. There's no, you know, they're not going to accept me. They don't know me, all these things. You could reason yourself right out of what God wants to do. And you never know, revival could break out in that grocery store from you laying hands on this guy. But we just talk ourselves out of it. Not only do I get to drink of the Lord, I need to drink of the Lord as often as I can. I believe that there is a place in the Lord where you never lose awareness of his presence. We're not there yet. But I believe that there's a day coming where this connection is never broken. Even in the busiest moments of life, even in the most hectic moments of life, you could uh, attach your connection, if you will, to the Lord and let that connection flow out into the world around you. And I believe that we're coming into a, a time where that will be the case. I've been studying, um, I'm going to say a word that is, has been uh, misused a lot, and it might scare some of you, but I'm going to clean it up right after. I've been studying the Christian mystics. Some of you have heard of this. Um, this just means that there are people that believe that you can know God experientially. I think we do that. We believe that you could know God experientially. These were mostly Catholic people that started to encounter the Lord in tangible ways. They started to feel him, and they were labeled as Christian mystics. 
Um, so the word mystic in this is not some crazy weird thing where they're doing like, you know, crystal balls and all these things. It's literally just people that believe that God could be experienced tangibly. I believe that. Does anybody else believe that? God could be experienced tangibly. So I've been looking into these people. Incredible revelation on prayer. Incredible revelation on time spent with the Lord. Incredible revelation of walking with the Lord in everyday life. Um, you might have heard some of these people. Um, you guys may have mentioned them. Madame Guyon, Teresa of Avila, um, St. John of the Cross. There's a bunch of people just amazing, uh, amazing men and women of God. They're all Catholic, um, but they, like, healed the sick, raised the dead, all that stuff. Because um, they believe God could be um, experienced tangibly. And so they begin to go after this deep uh, revelation of the Lord. Um, A.W. Tozer. Have you guys heard of him? A.W. Tozer, yeah, he's amazing. I love that guy. Um, he has this quote. He's a modern-day mystic. The true Christian experience must always include a genuine encounter with God. I'm going to read that again. Uh, the genuine Christian experience must always include a gen genuine encounter with God. Without this... Religion is but a shadow, a reflection of reality, a cheap copy of an original once enjoyed by someone else of whom we've heard. It cannot, be, um, it cannot but be a major tragedy in the life of any man to live in a church from childhood to old age and know nothing more than a synthetic God compounded of theology and logic, but having no eyes to see no ears to hear, and no heart to love. You, if you get, please get your hands on an A.W. Tozer book. Um, it'll change your life. Um, for me, these people have provoked me into wanting so much more of the Lord. And when I say that, the, lang the language can say, contrary to what I just said, is that I already have everything. But the more that I'm seeking is really the unlocking of what's already in me. So when I say more, Lord, I need more. It's I need a deeper revelation of what I already possess, which is the fullness of the Godhead. Does that blow anybody else's mind? That blows my mind. If we believe that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us, the same one, we have lost the art of lingering with the Lord. We worship this thing sometimes higher than the Lord. It looks like that on the wall. It's a circle. It has numbers on it. And we bow down to this thing that we've named the clock and time. And we would think that that thing died on the cross for us. But it didn't. And sometimes to tap into what God is doing, you have to enter into the realm in which he dwells, which is timeless. Sometimes you just got to take a Saturday and do nothing but sit in your closet and wait for the Lord to come. Those are the people that are going to change the world. Not the people on the hustle and the bustle and, you know, just chasing after all this vanity nonsense. It's, it's the Lord. And we need to put that thing in its rightful place. We were given it to be a good steward of what we have. 
But what we've done is use that as an excuse to not be with the one who gave us everything. But these people that I've been looking at, and the Lord corrected me at the end of 2018, I must have read at least 30 books last year, at least. I got the Kindle on my phone, and I just started reading all these books. And uh, the Lord was like, January 2019, no books. <laughs> You're going to spend time with me. And this is what he said. You can't afford to live off of someone else's revelation of me. You can't. You have to have your own revelation. If you've never heard him say, I love you from his mouth, you haven't experienced him to the degree that you were designed to. I could tell you that Jesus loves you all day, but you need to go into your closet and wait for him to whisper that to you. And it'll change your life, I promise. Let your longing for the Lord produce lingering with the Lord. I talk to a lot of people that really love the Lord a lot. From friends all over the country, different things. And until we let our longing for the Lord produce a lingering with the Lord, it'll be nothing more than a hope and a desire that never gets met. It'll just be like, yeah, you know, I really love Jesus, and I wish I could spend more time with him, but this, 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 and this. I've never heard anyone say that they were too busy to go to work. For me, the best time to be with the Lord is in the morning. And I have to be honest, sometimes I smack that snooze button too many times, and I don't have that much time to be with him. But I've been really trying to get out of bed in the morning, and if it doesn't happen in the morning... I make it happen at night. So find that place to carve out time. I promise you, it is not wasted time. In the American dream thing that we have in front of us, time doing nothing seems completely wasted. But I tell you that Jesus only had a ministry that lasted three years, and he consistently went away to be with the Lord. We view ministry success as how many people we get to pray a prayer at the end of the, but if that was the gauge, Jesus' ministry was a failure because I don't have one person praying a prayer in his ministry, and I don't have one person praying a prayer in the life of the disciples or the apostles. Jesus lived such a convicting life that people's life changed just from being around him. They did, we didn't have to coerce them to praying a prayer. Their life when they came into the reality of who Jesus was, their life immediately changed. The woman at the well, she runs after her life was revealed and he said, I am the Messiah. She runs away and the entire town gets saved. A woman that had had five husbands and she was on her, or sixth, whatever, and she has a revelation of who God is, who the Messiah is that's standing right in front of her. Or actually, he was seated, seated right in front of her. And she turns and goes to the town and tells everybody, the first evangelist in the Bible we have is a woman. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> we need a revelation of who God is for ourselves. I cannot afford, to, even though all these people are amazing, that I read their books, amazing men and women of God, but I can't afford to live off of how they know God. I need to know him for myself. 
Now, very practically, what does this look like? It looks like, literally, for me, it's sitting down in a chair and waiting. It's that simple. The best devotional posture that I've ever received. (laughs) Sit down, shut up, and don't move. (laughs) Wait until you can sense the river flowing. When the river starts flowing, drink. Continue to drink until you overflow. I had this uh, really beautiful analogy presented to me from someone that I really love uh, in the ministry. Um, he, I don't know him personally, but he's really poured a lot into my life. He's a pastor by the name of Damon Thompson. And he, said, he, he brings this analogy where he says, one time I was at the, the gas station and I got a cup of ice so that I could pour my Gatorade into it. And he sat down in his driver's seat and he poured the Gatorade into the, the cup. And after he finished pouring the Gatorade into the cup, he felt the Lord say, is that cup full? And he looked at it and he said, yeah. The Lord said, if you took a dropper, could you drop three more drops into that cup? He said, yeah, I I guess I could. And so then Damon asked the Lord, so by the measuring rod of my eye, how could I tell that this cup is full? The Lord said, you wouldn't know that the cup was full until what was inside the cup was on the outside of the cup. You are not full to the degree that the Lord desires you to be until what resides on the inside of you begins to reside on the outside of you. The river inside, my whole life I was waiting to just get a splash from from heaven. Really, like, you think of baptism, like the immersion in the Lord, but the river inside of us is actually the thing that baptizes us because the river begins to flow out and onto us. This liberated me because there's no more searching. There's no more acquiring. It's something that probably is ingrained just as Americans. We like to get our stuff, but we... We've been given the fullness of the Godhead. (laughs) Every time I say it, it just doesn't make sense to me, but it's reality. And until I get this thing out of the way that I continue to try to make everything make sense, I will miss out. I don't want to miss out. I don't think you want to miss out either or you wouldn't be here. We are called to be planted by this river. That all of what overflows out of us by the Spirit actually brings nutrients to our entire being. Because we are not the source of the river. But I I think that I got a good handle on at least what the river is and what our role is to play with the river. So I'm going to take you through a, a few verses, which really explains what this river is. And the first one is in Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's that uh, quiet before the Lord meditation. That's not like an Eastern religion thing. Like, that's like a Christian thing. 
meditating on the word of the Lord. When he will, and then he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit. In most translations, it says in its season. It's actually a poor translation. It should say in every season. Because how do you know that? The next verse says, and its leaf will never wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Let's jump to Ezekiel 47. We find the exact same river. So David's talking about it in Psalms. Now Ezekiel's talking about it in Ezekiel 47.9. It will come about that every living creature that swarms in every place where the river goes will live. A very great number of fish, because, of, because these waters go there, so that the waters of the sea are healed and become fresh. So everything will live wherever the river goes. The sea is normally symbolic in the scriptures as the troubling heart of man. When we receive the Holy Spirit to live inside of us at salvation, the river begins to flow and cleanse the sea of troubled waters inside of us. And so everywhere, everything will live wherever the river goes. Jumping down to verse 12, it says, By the river on its bank, on one side and the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They shall bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary, and their fruit will be for food, and their leaves will be for healing. May I propose to you today that we are a vessel that has a river flowing out of us, but we are called to be a tree planted in that river. Same river talked about in Revelation 22. So we got David, who was a man after God's own heart, talking about this river. We have Ezekiel talking about this river, who was a prophet of the Lord. And we have John the Beloved, who laid his head on the chest of Jesus and knew his heartbeat talking about this river. In Revelation 22, it says, Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves on the trees were for the healing of the nations." When I read that verse, I said, God, why in the world would you put the leaves for the healing of the nations in heaven? We need them down here. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, tells us this. And he raised us up together with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We are trees planted in the river, bearing fruit every season. And what we produce from our life is meant to be for the healing of the nations. We have a huge responsibility. I said earlier, 
the salvation of America is not going to come from a politician as hard as you want it to. It will come from men and women that get alone with the Lord, that let the river flow, and that we gather all our nutrients from what flows by. We've tried to live our lives as Christians as trees planted kind of by the river, living off of what falls, rain. Rain is nice, but it doesn't rain every day. The river flows every day. The river flows every day, endless. I need to be planted on the bank of that river, reaching down, receiving nutrients from that river every single day, every second of every day. And it's accessible to that degree. Now, seated with Christ in heavenly places looks a lot like being planted. I'm seated. I'm resting in the fact that I am where he is and he is where I am and I am planted by this river that never runs dry. We're told that the river actually flows from the throne. And we know that if the Lord is the God of our heart, that he is enthroned right here. And as we lift up praises to the Lord, he is enthroned on our praises. And so wherever the throne is, the river flows. I had that revelation the other day leading worship. As I lift up the praises of the Lord, he's seated on his throne in that room, and the river begins to flow out to all the dead places. And it cleanses everything it touches. It's a life-giving river. The fruit of your life is for the healing of the nations. It's why we need to get alone with the Lord. If I could have the worship team. Many people in this day that we find ourselves in different Christian thoughts believe that we can no longer operate in the supernatural, can no longer lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They have fallen into this line of thinking for the simple fact of they don't want to be deceived. So it's really birthed out of a good place. It's really birthed out of a good thought process as it would seem to us. Lord, I don't want to do anything that you don't want me to do. But in the process of us thinking that the Lord doesn't do this stuff anymore, we've already been deceived. So in the, in the pursuit of not being deceived, we've been deceived. And I'm telling you that the healing of the nations is going to come from your life as believers or it won't come at all. We were called to disciple nations. We don't see that yet. Maybe a little drips and drabs. Uh, Heidi Baker's out in Mozambique making, making a good press on that nation. We were all called to disciple nations. But I'm telling you, you will never get a nation until you get in the river. Not only is it vital to your life, not only is it vital to your family's life, the world is desperate for you to get in the river. It's God himself. It's his life flowing 
into every part of our lives. The world is waiting for us to get into the river because it needs the leaves that will be produced from our life. It, it needs the fruit that will come off of our life. We will bear fruit 12 months out of the year. Our leaf will never wither as long as we're planted by the river. Are you willing to make the sacrifice that seems so big to wait, just wait? I was listening to a lady from England, this precious old lady, she's like 80 years old, and she would probably fall into the category of the mystic coming out of the Catholic Church, different things. She said, sometimes I wait for the Lord and it only takes a few minutes, but sometimes I wait for the Lord and it takes eight hours what price are you willing to pay? Now I understand there's plenty of responsibilities in life, but we make time to do a lot of other things. What price are you willing to pay to get into the presence of the Lord? Because when I stand before him, I want to have crowns to lay at his feet. I will not appear before that throne empty-handed. He has given everything. Have you ever thought about that? The price that he paid for you? There literally cannot have been a higher price given. I realized that I had a debt, but I didn't realize that the highest possible form of payment was made to complete that debt, to eradicate that debt. And so Romans tells us that the very minimal, reasonable response to the mercies of God extended to us is a living sacrifice, a life laid down before the Lord. It's the only reasonable response. It's an entire life laid down. We live a lot of our life giving God a little bit here and a little bit there. But we're consistently told throughout the Gospels by the mouth of Jesus that it's the requirement of our entire life to receive his entire life. We must lay the complete, the, the best way we know how, the fullness of our life laid at his feet so that we could pick up the fullness of his life. And it's really amazing thing. When the Lord asks us to lay down our life 100% of the time in the Greek, it's the word suke, which is the soul. Every time he says, lay down your life. Lay down your soul. But every time he talks about life being given to us, it's zoe, which is God's life. He's asking us to lay down something that is so inferior to what he's trying to give us. I will not let what's already in my hands keep me from receiving what he wants to give me. There's so many things that God has given me and he's asking me to lay them down so that I could pick up, so I have empty hands to pick up what he wants to give me. Romans 8, 
says that all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Not just the people. This planet is waiting for us to get this. Because when we get this, it overflows into every area. When we begin to be a good steward of our money, we begin to see increase so that we could be a blessing to others. We see the restoring of economies when revival breaks out. We see the land being taken care of because it just overflows into all of life. It says that all of creation is waiting for us. This is what we've been called to. No less. It's all or nothing. All across this planet, people are giving their physical lives for the gospel. To this day, that wasn't just a day one time in the past. People are laying down their lives, being killed for the gospel now. And they count it all joy in comparison for the glory that we will receive when we're in his presence. I'm not telling you to go out and look to be a martyr. But once you lay your life down, it can't be taken away from you. believe that in this moment we're just supposed to wait just wait for the Lord to get a taste of the river so that we could know what to do when we're alone tomorrow morning before work trees planted by the river bearing fruit every season the leaves on the trees for the healing of the nations. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.com dot org backslash give